0: Welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled to be speaking with Nathalie Brassard. Um, Nathalie is the executive director of Facets, which if you have listened to even just one of our episodes on A Fasty Hope, Facets changed, um, you know, it changed our family. It changed how we parent our son and how we parent in general, because There are just so many positive aspects of neurobehavioral parenting. So we are big advocates of facets, and we are so happy, uh, my husband and I as parents, that we were able to take the training. So Natalie, welcome to FASD Hope.
1: Thank you, Natalie. And here we are, the two Natalie's talking to each other. And it's the first
0: time I've interviewed another Natalie. It's wonderful. So I love that. It is an honor to be here with you today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, thank you so much for being here. So everybody has a journey in how they became involved in, in FASD. And you have so much professional experience in so many different avenues what led your journey into learning about FASD, becoming a trainer, and then eventually becoming the executive director of facets?
1: Oh, it's funny. Eh? It's, it, looking back, if we could have guessed when we were children and where our lives would bring us, I would have never thought this was my my life journey, my my direction, and i'm I'm thankful this is where it brought me. Um, and I came at it from a very indirect way. So here I am. Uh, so I'm, my background, I'm actually uh, a, a dietitian. So it's, it's talk about people say, so you're a dietitian and you end up kind of working in the field of it. how did that happen? And so for me, it was um, when I decided to study nutrition, human nutrition, um, I think what quickly came, came obvious to me was that I didn't love the clinical aspect. I love the, the community, the people connection. And this is what I figured, okay, whatever I do with this, when I leave, uh, this will be working in the community setting. And then in, that's going to date me, but back in 1987, um, I, we were asked to do a project and there were different topics and I ended up picking FASD, not even knowing what it was about. Like the, the letters were interesting and then I saw fetal and alcohol. I said, "Ha!" Huh, and I picked that. And if you, so if we go back, that's a long time ago. And I remember doing the research and being fascinated by it, but back then there was not much on it. It was pretty much descriptive. So this is what happens when you know, there's prenatal alcohol exposure and those are the things we see, but it was the end of it. And I remember thinking, ha, huh, that's interesting. And it's gonna be relevant because I'm gonna be talking to people about food and, and food includes what people drink. So it kind of went in a bit of a parking lot in my brain. And I remember thinking, this is very interesting. And then fast forward about five years later, my second job, I landed a job with um, uh, uh, high-risk pregnant women and families in the, the Vancouver uh, area in, in British Columbia. You'll, you're hearing the, the French accent, by the way. So, <laughs> and so, and um, this was this became my my passion. I fell in love with that field, the connection, the the, the, the opportunity to connect with families at this amazing, important time in their lives when they're expecting. And it's not always pink and rosy. It's bumpy for a lot. And to have a window and to be allowed to journey with them to me was amazing. And uh, and then yeah, so it, and here I was having to talk about alcohol with a lot of people. And I had to develop a language around it uh, and figure out how do we how do we talk about it. And then and then in the process of doing that, I, I became aware of two things, one of which was that when we talked about FASD, I had very little to leave our parents with that was not like deep, dark nothingness. It was hopeless pit. And if it it didn't feel good as a support person. It felt like, how can this be? There's got to be something more than that. And then the other part of it is I was acutely aware that when I was trying to support some of the parents, Some of them needed something different from me and I didn't know what they needed. So some of the parents themselves I came to realize potentially had FASD and I was not equipped. I was not supporting as well as I should and it was really like I needed to find something. So that's what put me basically on the path of saying, so what is out there and and what's being done in the field of FASD? That's not just repeating the old nothingness. And I eventually like Diane, Diane Malbin and facets came on my radar um, it, I kept hearing about it for quite a long time and then and then at some point I think it, I, I in the early uh, I think around 2010-2011 all of a sudden it's just like oh I need to go like now the stars were aligning and I decided to travel to the U.S. and go take my first three day and I remember sitting in the, in the room and listening to her and Thinking, wow, this is making so much sense, even though I knew that I was barely grasping 30% of what was being said, but I just knew that it was earth shattering, that it was life changing. And so I left those three days thinking, okay, this is, this is it. This is it. And, and yeah, it, it changed my life as a, as a practitioner. It changed my life as a friend, as a family member. As a daughter, because I realized that what I learned there, and I, I was just getting that, but I, it became clear and clearer, was impacting every single one of my relationships.
0: And for us, the training... I find that you know it, it. It's so much, like you said, it's three days. You know, I know it's it's different um, now. There's there's different. The training is different online. You know, it's over six weeks and and whatnot. But for for when you do the three day in person training, you take in so much information. But like you said, it has this ripple effect in so many different spheres of your life you know so with your family and then you know if you're working or having working relationships or you know if you're just interacting in your community or your church or it just really has a ripple effect because there's so many wonderful aspects about it but i think for me as as a parent the core is that first of all you know we recognize fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are brain-based disabilities, brain-based whole-body disabilities, and that's a revelation because so for so long, like you said, you hear just oh, you know, bad behaviors, and I'm using air quotes, you know, bad behaviors or, or negative and and all this stuff. And for the first time, it's you really get the science behind FASD, and then I think in the same aspect, you have the emotional part, which is there are strengths and, and that Mm -hmm. really made me feel hopeful as a parent. And, and I think that's why I wanted to have you on FASD hope so badly, because there is hope, especially when you take that training and you shift your mindset from focusing on the negatives to saying, okay, we need to accommodate, we need to, you know, stop and accommodate. We need to focus on the strengths and we need to meet them where they're at. I mean, I think those are like, for me, those are like the three big key points that, you know, uh, there are many points, but for me, I think those are the three big key points that I try to just remember every day. And I giving
1: space to think, and that's what we say, yes, giving that space to think brain and remember brain is is the biggest thing. And once you start doing that, there's no, that that was, that was it for me. There was no turning back Like to see how it could be so powerful and changing so many things, and and so it's hard sometimes because you want everybody to shift and get it, and then in reality, it's a, it's a slower process than that. But but then it it, it it's it's a passion that, that starts, and you want to start talking about it all the time and share the information, and it's valuable definitely in the field of FASD, but for uh, any other neurodiverse you know, yes. conditions, and it's 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 applicable. Yes. And and but to me, it's it's even more precious when you th- we think about FASD, which is a it's been a diagnosis that hasn't been looked at.
0: Anytime I'm on somebody else's show, I say it's, you know, what we know it's the most undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and underdiagnosed of all the developmental disabilities. We know that.
1: And the one that carries the most blame and shame, sadly, to this day. So again, Mm -hmm. how do we shift that? How do we change it? Do we change the conversation?
0: Yes. Because when we do, wow. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you're Mm -hmm. on here. So fast forwarding now to like the the 2010s you know and even um even in the early 2020s there's been a lot of growth in facets. Let's talk about that because, yeah. and especially since the pandemic, there's been a lot of online growth too. So let's talk about the development of facets. And and for those of you who who are not familiar, let's talk a little bit about the history with Diane Malvin, because she really was a tra- and and is a trailblazer in the field of FASD. Yeah, you
1: know Diane just created something that that. Was non existent. She's the one who created a model that the information was out there, but it had never been assembled in that way. And, and she's the one who kind of, first of all, realized that, that ah, we're missing the mark around FASD. That, you know, yes, there is tons of research out there, but there is a disconnect between the research and what we're doing on the ground. And, and so she, she saw that. And she decided that she would tackle it and really start looking at what is it. So that's why we say that what she created is definitely a, 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 a well-informed, it's research-informed, like it's based on what research has shown. And it's just really bringing it back to, I think the research was showing that we're talking about a brain-based condition, but the application was never thinking about brain, it was still focusing on behavior, the disconnect there. was there. And then for her, it was just, okay, so, uh, how do we change that how do we bring it back to truly acknowledging the brain and using this to move forward so that was that was very powerful so when she started i think she she had the information she looked at the research before starting the the uh facets, i think she she realized there was a need for for education educational sessions with with parents and caregivers so she did try an eight week model that was educational and support uh, together, and that's where she kind of started to really look at, like, by sharing what the, the the theory was and trying to figure out as a group what does that mean. things were emerging. That's how, like, all of a sudden, we, the, what we call the the foundations of the neurobehavioral models. That's you know that that coining this. You know, FASD is a brain based, often most often invisible physical condition. It's so important. It's a physical difference. So how that was huge with behavioral symptoms, you know? So that's, she, she expressed it that way. And then the next step that if we agreed that this is the case, and that was, that was the basis of her theory, if, the, if we agree that this is the case, well, doesn't it make sense that we would provide accommodations the same way we would for people who have visible conditions? And when, when it's presented that way, how can you, can you, how, how can you say Does it doesn't make sense? And so that was, that was the, the, the foundation. And then from there, like she started to, to kind of produce the material and and, and, and gel something that, that looks like what we have now. And she founded FACETS in, in, in 1997, so we're going to be 25 years old next year, uh, so that's 25, 24 years ago, so amazing. And so we have to thank her for the amazing gift that she has provided all of us in, in the FASD community and in the community of brain-based conditions. For for this 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 model and this understanding, and so moving forward, so what happened over time? Facets uh, was created. They started to do mostly in person training out of Portland, uh, and there's there were various renditions for a while. It was quite a four days, five days, and it was brought back down to three days in a row. And um, and then uh, last year we were catapulted into the uh, the need to adapt that to a non uh, a. a a webinar version. Uh, we have been thinking about it, we're not sure, and it was actually a beautiful growth moment for us. So we, we launched our six-week webinar series and all the people who had been wanting to come to Portland to attend our sessions on this and had access to our training. So it's not the same. We look forward to going back to in-person because that in-person connection and having people in the same room to share their different experiences uh, is, is invaluable. Uh, but there's also a beauty to being able to reach people wherever they're at and it, taking away the barriers of, of distance and flights and accommodations and all of that. So and uh, and so, yeah, so it's been lovely. And and one of the things that that um, FASIS has, has always believed in very strongly is that this message, the model, is important to anyone. It's not just for parents. It's not just for educators. It's not just everybody needs to hear it because it's only when all of us get it that we will have a society that's ready to receive and and truly accept and support individuals with brain-based conditions and FASD.
0: Absolutely. And again, I think um, a big silver lining of, of the pandemic was this accessibility for so many people, not just parents and caregivers, but, you know, educators, social workers, people who can receive this information and learn it. I know of friends who are, you know, far from me who ha- have signed up for the six-week online classes. You know, even I have I have a friend who's a fellow parent advocate and I've, I interviewed her, um, Mary Ellen McFell of O'Shea's FASD in Scotland. She, you know, and, and, and she's so excited. So knowing that, because of the shift to this online model, you know, for now, for however long it'll be, is actually reaching more people. And, and, you know, so I am excited to hear that, you know, more people are getting trained. So how many people have been, have you seen an increase in the numbers of people being trained since the shift?
1: Most definitely. We were cautious at the first. We we weren't sure, first of all, for our facilitators. I mean, and we bring everything back to the brain, even for ourselves in our everyday job. Because if we're asking people to consider the brain for their dear ones, for people with, we need to consider our own brains. So in in, in thinking about pandemic times, there was a level of stress. So everybody's brain was a bit elevated. Um, And then we had to learn a new technology as facilitators, our team of facilitators. So it was just like, oh, how is that going to go? And then the, and then the, the participants at the other end are also coming from a place where there's more stress. There's learning a technology, so we weren't sure if it would take. And and you know what? We've been we've been selling out. We've been selling out our trainings, and it's beautiful to see. Um, we keep them small because we really really value conversation, the ability to ask questions. And and to really pull those themes apart that we present during the material, so we keep our groups around twelve participants. So it's intimate, it's um, it's two hours every week, and it gives people time to chew the information, to percolate, to try to figure out what does that mean, and then come back and be ready to learn a little bit more. Um, and it's been it's been successful. Of course, it's. There's always room for improvement. So we keep tweaking how we do it and and the material a little bit to, to, so it's easier. And it's just also us learning the technology, the zoom technology and all that we can do with it, but it's been, we've been busy.
0: We've been busy. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And again, I am so excited by more people getting trained that will again, have a ripple effect, you know, that will lead to more people getting trained. You know, I, I have I have friends who have are doing, you know, in the process of doing the training now, and they're interested in becoming facilitators so that they can train. So, just hearing that is is gives me so much hope in in FASD advocacy that people really embrace and and accept the neurobehavioral model, and that they recognize the need that other people need to learn about it and, and be trained in it, you know, not just parents and caregivers, but you know, anybody. So um, again, I, I'm just so, I keep saying I'm so excited, but I am because it's just such good news. I think that,
1: that the ripples are real, aren't they? Yeah, it's yeah. you see them happen uh, in front of when we give workshops in front of our very own eyes, we see the, the expression we see there. Okay. What does that? Wow. And, and it's, 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 and then you see it go, it go further. And, uh, you know, people often ask, oh, isn't, isn't it a hard job? You know, isn't that a hard field? And isn't it sad? So, no, it's not. It is filled with hope because when the shift happens, it's amazing. It's amazing to see how, 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 uh, and this is something that had come up, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit, but way back in, in 1998, Facets was given the, uh, a uh, funding from the state of Oregon to do a three-year uh, interventive um, uh, project to see you know, what happens when we put this this model and we, we, we apply it in a very concentrated, very intentional way. And so for three years, they worked with a group of children four to 14 from the foster care system. And what they did is that they were surrounded by a team. Everybody was informed. So everybody around the individual would be trained is the ideal this is what we want and so they would train everybody as much as they could um and and they they followed what was happening and and the, the results were really amazing like better than any what anyone would have anticipated but what they saw is is what we keep seeing to this day is that um there's a for parents a huge increase in understanding their children differently, being able to reframe and saying, Wow, okay, this is what's going on. So, the emotional shift attached to that also is just like, Okay, a lot less stress yes. for parents and caregivers. Uh, huge increase in confidence because while, honestly, they're able to do something that works. We've all been there, you know, whether parents or whether professionals and support people around the individual. When we don't know what's going on and we don't think brain, we feel like nothing's working and we're banging our head on the wall. But when we start seeing and understanding differently, then all of a sudden it's starting to make a difference. And then the other thing is that huge decrease in what we call secondary characteristics, huge reduction in, in challenging behaviors, which is what we want because basically we're preventing it. We're preventing those by creating a good fit by meeting the person where they're at. And so, so they saw it in that three-year project and and we see it in front of our very own eyes every time we give a workshop. It's just, and then and we hear the stories, people come back to us and is it a magic wand? It's not, it's not a magic wand. And you can attest to that Natalie, it's hard work still because just, we have to, mm-hmm. it's us. Yes, We have to do the changing. We have to question every in every way our perceptions, our values, our beliefs, and be willing to start doing differently to meet the person where they're at
0: because they are fine. They're not broken. Yeah, exactly they're just different. And again, just like the title of Diane's book, trying differently rather than harder. And and talking about what I affectionately call the purple book, you know, <laughs> I I probably have 10 copies of trying differently rather than harder because back pre-pandemic days if I was out in, you know, support group or out somewhere and, and met somebody, I would always have a copy or for example, when our son was becoming, when he was starting his carpentry apprenticeship, and I share this in 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 our book, I gave both of his instructors, who were just regular carpentry, you know, woodworkers, a copy of Trying Differently Rather than Harder. And it was so, it was so tangible for them to read it. They understood it. They were like, okay. I get it. And these are, you know, both gentlemen who like had no, you know, medical or healthcare professional or even educational training. They were, you know, both, you know, um, blue collar kind of job, you know, workers and they caught it. They understood it. And to this day, our son's apprenticeship teacher, who he's been with more than two years, he always gets it. If, 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 if our son just has some sort of if he's learning a new concept in carpentry and you know our son's teacher, it very rarely does he let us know anymore because he usually just knows how to meet him where he's at right there. You know, how oh, amazing is that I know once in a blue moon he'll say, hey, you know, this came up and can I run this by you? But now, no, they, they understand each other and, and our son too, I think through the facets training in my changing and my husband's changing, we were able to empower our son to say, Hey, I'm feeling this. And I know it's because of this. So like, for example, pre pandemic, when we would go into a noisy restaurant, you know, and he would get very anxious. He'd be like, mom, i'm feeling anxious because it's too noisy in here you know that's what <laughs> you know when you're a parent of a child that has a brain-based diagnosis when they're very little that's what you you pray for that they they can voice someday and and they can when you the parent can recognize it and see that We
1: talk about that a lot actually because we often get the question so so what why can't they tell me what they need and well can, well when will they be able to start advocating for themselves and, and understand themselves. I'm just like, wow. So first of all, if we stop and think about what the brain needs to be able to do to self-understand, to be able to, and then to be able to start advocating, that's a, that's a lofty goal. And so for a lot of people, it may not be in line with their set of skills and abilities, yeah. first of all. But even if they have the ability, if, if we just kind of, if we never talk about it, or if we don't get it, how can they gain the self understanding if nobody else gets them? So we always say, well, the very first step is people need to get them on the outside and then start just talking about it and normalizing it. And then if they're ready, if they have the ability with support, they might be able at some point to go there, but let's not just go. On. this is the goal, because what if it's, let's, let's first do the work ourselves
0: And I think that's why trying differently rather than harder for anyone who's new to this, that's the first book I tell them to read, you know, because it really is like a roadmap it's like an, it's, it's really like an introduction to, okay, this is neurobehavior. This is, this is why you haven't been getting it all these years, you know? And, and Mm -hmm. honestly, when I read it, I probably had about a hundred little post-it notes in it, you know, like just arrows and highlights and everything. And then my husband had his copy and it really just, to me, it really is the go-to book. For FASD, so you call it the purple little
1: book. You know the little purple book. It's the little. uh, It it looks like nothing. It is a small book, but I think that's where the beauty is: is that it's not overwhelming. You don't have to read to read 500 pages, and it's actually even though it's 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 text, um, I have yet to come across somebody who can't make sense of it. People get it when you give it to them, and and even the ones who will see because I often hear people say. Well, I feel I have nothing to do with this. Like I'm not a parent and I'm not a teacher, so why would I? Just like okay, so actually, did you know that you probably have come across quite a few people with whose brain work differently? So maybe it would be, and so, and then you, you're not asking them to read 500 pages. You just give them a nice little succinct uh, book, and it's like,
0: oh, wow, mm-hmm. okay. And and again, it puts just like with any other medical disability any other brain-based disability any other uh, traumatic injury it puts the responsibility on the what I like to say like the the nucleus around that person mm-hmm. so whether it be family or caregivers or teachers or any anybody that's in that nucleus it puts the responsibility on them to accommodate and to meet them where they're at and I think when and and that but, The beauty of that is that that it's not just you just do one thing and that's it. It's Mm -hmm. continuous. Just like FASD is a lifelong disability, accommodating looks differently at 19 than it did at nine, you know? And it will look different at 29 than it will at 19. So being able- we like to
1: use the word journey uh, yes. for a lot of what we we talk about so yes. um it's journeying along yes. uh, so it's our personal journey for the person on the outside because we have to do a lot of self inquiry and figuring things out but again it's that what you're referring to now is is this adapting and watching and just being flexible and watching and and, and doing that dance and guidance and and journeying along with the person because like everybody else, uh, everyone's evolving, everybody's changing yes. As, at each each at our very own sweet pace yes. um, And so it's just to, to be there but it is, definitely is a journey. So and sometimes I can feel I see people like they, when we talk about the need to adapt and be flexible and, and meet people where they're at and provide accommodation sometimes people get feel very, very overwhelming but but that's a lot. I need to do all of that. It's just like baby steps. Like first, it's going to become second nature eventually. It's going to become easier. But at first, just giving that space and not reacting, that's huge.
0: Just remaining
1: curious is huge. And so it doesn't mean having to do complicated things everywhere, but just starting to notice, oh, yeah, okay, maybe this person needs information more slowly, repeated more often, just those little tweaks. But the person, what they get is, wow, this person is interested in me. This
0: person is curious about me. And that's, that's gold. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that facets in the neurobehavioral approach and trying differently rather than harder really puts an emphasis on connection. I think that mm-hmm. is so key, having that connection. Just again, just like with any other difference, you you have to have connection with that person, and that person has to feel connected too. You know, they have to feel like they're part of something, and and that's why the strengths based approach, meeting that individual where he or she is at, and like you said, putting on that investigative hat and saying, okay. What's, what's behind this, this symptom. And instead of seeing it as a behavior, that's a willful behavior. Like you said, you're, you're going from, it's not that that person won't do something. It's they can't do something. Mm-hmm. So how do we make that shift and accommodate?
1: So and to be willing like, to catch ourselves many times. It's not as linear as it is. Oh, and yeah. of course, all of us are human. None yes. of us are perfect. Yes. And we're going to keep slipping when we're stressed we're not at our best. Mm-hmm. So it's to be to show grace to ourselves, uh, anyone around, and and be willing to say, okay, tomorrow's a new day and we're going to try again and just, we're going to get better at this.
0: And and I also think too, from our family value standpoint, that neurobehavioral model goes very much in line with being grace-based, having grace on, not only, like you said, on yourself, but on that other person. You're really just again, acknowledging them for the gifts that, you know, they, they have in them and, and the strengths that they bring, you know, and then supporting them where they need that support. And, and those are two very much in align values, you know, that, that I know our family, we really embrace, you know, especially again, just thinking about all of those years and, and, you, you don't punish a disability. And and if we can Mm -hmm. teach people that you don't punish, it's not punitive, it's restorative and it's supportive and it's accommodating. And, And again, it's meeting somebody where they're at. So, so Natalie, I love talking to you. I know I'm going to have you back on, on, on FASD hope. Can you tell me about the goals for FASD for the rest of the year? I know you have some trainings coming up. Let's share with our listeners what's happening. So a few things.
1: So we we have some some six week webinar series still happening. Uh, one that is starting this week. Uh, we have a new one that just opened up uh, that will take place in June and July. So starting on June twenty second. So Tuesday mornings, uh, I believe. Like so I should. I believe ten o'clock Pacific time. Uh, so two hour sessions for six weeks. So bring us into July. And we put that one. We're not sure, but we've had requests from 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 school staff who can't free themselves during the year, and they wanted to have access to something when they're off. Uh, So we did that. And for some parents, it was also a better schedule. So we're giving it a try. Sometimes we try to have a summer off, but it was a request. And then we'll take the rest of summer off and then start again in September, we're offering more of the six-week series. Um, In due time, when we're allowed, we will start offering in person. Again, for those because we do hear people who say, you know, I, I miss or I, I prefer, and I can I can make it work for me. So we will have a likely a, com- a combo like a hybrid, of hybrid, yeah, Yeah, hybrid in the future. Um, and then we are also offering um, our training of facilitators. So yes, we are doing our, our regular training, but we also want to have more facilitators out there so that anywhere around the world we can have more people throwing more pebbles and creating more ripples out there. So we actually have turn currently two cohorts. We have 18 people currently uh, being trained for 2021. And we anticipate we have already more uh, full cohort ready to start in 2022. And uh, so we are gonna have at least two cohorts again in, in 2022, that's exciting. And you know, for the time I've been doing this work and I've joined facets as a program director and as, a, as an I've seen the shift in the readiness it's unbelievable, people are ready to hear it. People are ready to hear it and use it and, and, and go with it. And so now the interest in, in, in becoming a facilitator
0: is, is it's unbelievable, it's amazing. And that gives me so much hope because the more facilitators that are out there the more it will reach you know, the community. And I love hearing that there's uh, teachers going to participate in the, in the summer program. That's fantastic, I love that.
1: We regularly have school staff and I wish, basically we, we love having people from all sectors, from all systems. So would it be like justice system? Would it be employment? Would it be anyone? Like we love, it's, it's, it's rich when we have a a broad variety of participants. It
0: it is. I remember when I took the training, we had a few social workers in our group and that was Mm -hmm. great. And again, it gives the perspective. You have different perspective, you know, you have a you know, the parent perspective, you have a professional perspective. So it really lends when you're doing that training to hear others point of view, you know, about how they're involved. So it's
1: huge for us that breaking down of silos because right now. Typically the parents attend a a training, the, the social workers attend one, the physicians attend another one, and we never hear each other's voice and we never develop a common language. So for us, it's not, we need to hear, it might be painful at times, yeah. We need, to remain pers- we, we need to remain respectful, but we need to hear each other's stories yes. because it's the bigger picture that will allow us to move forward. Yes.
0: And I am happy to announce that we are affiliating with facets because my husband and I consider facets to be the gold standard when it comes to FASD education and FASD training. And, and just again, when you have that shift of brain first and and supporting, um, it really just makes a difference. We are partnering with Facets. Um, beginning in the fall, uh, a couple of Fridays a month, we're going to have. We're affectionately calling it Facets Fridays. So, Yay. so um, Natalie and I are, are thrilled um, to t- to talk about this. What our hope is, you know, when I talked to Natalie about this um, a little while ago what John and I, what we want to do is to be able to offer our audience to hear from different Facets facilitators about topics that our audience will relate to, you know, and to hear a little bit about what it's like, you know, from a Facets perspective. So, um, you know, John and I, we we, we spoke with Natalie and, and Natalie brought it back to Facets and um, we are going to be partnering. So, Uh, Beginning, I believe, beginning in, in August or September, we will announce the date, but we'll be having Facets Fridays. They will be digestible educational components that we want to offer to our audience because we recognize the need for people to become educated in the neurobehavioral parenting and caregiving and and teaching mode, but we also want people to be able to have a sample of it. You know, I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if it's still, if, if you still find this Natalie, but I think a lot of people still hear about facets by word of mouth. Is that still, is, is that still the case or is it happening more, you know, um, systemically, I guess.
1: You know, I think it's in the process of shifting right now. I think historically it's been mostly word of mouth, uh, but we have people who now will just go online and say FASD, like what's out there. And people find us that way more and more uh, without previous contact through a friend or or somebody. So it's, it's, it's shifting.
0: So John and I are incredibly excited about this opportunity, Natalie, because not only will people be learning about facets, but can you share with us what um, one of the goals that you saw in us partnering that we can do through Facets Friday?
1: Yeah, so I think there's there's a few lovely little goals there, all in one, one of which is to bring some some really hot topics, some, some things that we hear very often that are being thrown, some real challenges out there, and to just help people kind of pull them apart and tease them apart and really think about them from a brain-based perspective. So, and, and helping people remove the values and the judgment and the, the, the very heavy expectations that, we, that sometimes just make it hard for us to take that step back. So we'd be taking some of those topics and having a, a, a short conversation around them. How can we reframe this? And then it's gonna be a fantastic opportunity as well for us to introduce some of the staff at FACETS because we have an amazing team of program directors and of facilitators who work for FACETS. And in the same time, I also know that you've had as guests in the past, some of our certified facilitators. So those are the folks who have taken our training and our independent uh, facilitators and do a beautiful job. So some of them might also lend their voice for, for some of these sessions.
0: So we are so excited about this partnership because it will not only provide a very um, strong educational component to FASD Hope, but we will also be able to showcase the many voices behind facets and 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 like you said, just taking a topic and really exploring it on a neurobehavioral basis. Especially as we go through the year, we will address seasonal things. We will address many hmm. different to- you know topics as well. So I am so excited to make this announcement. I think it's just such a wonderful opportunity, and again. From the bottom of my heart, John, and I thank you for allowing us to have this opportunity to to, uh, to come together and to bring awareness to a global audience, which we're just thrilled to hear that we have listeners around the world, you know, listening to us. So thank you. It was an
1: honor, Navi. Thank you for inviting me, for inviting Facets, uh, and, and thank you for the beautiful work that you do in pulling people together and, and creating a, pla- a space uh where people can can gather and, and 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 share ideas and and have conversations so thank you for everything you do oh thank you and one more thing i, I forgot to mention but what, one exciting uh event for us to, or news for us this year is we have finally uh decided to go ahead and offer uh trying differently our blue purple book uh and and an ebook version so it is now available on Amazon. Uh, you can go and purchase the ebook for those of you who have an e-reader and prefer to carry it with you that way. So now you can order both the uh, the regular book, so the paper version, from Amazon, uh, um, or get the the ebook as well.
0: That's terrific. And before we end, you know that I like to end my episodes on a hope takeaway, which are words of hope that we give to people in the FASD community, no matter how, where they're in their journeys, what words of hope can you offer to those out there before mm-hmm. we end?
1: I think I shared one earlier by saying the ripples are tremendous, but, um, when I take a small step back and sometimes I wonder, are things shifting Oh my goodness, I, I am amazed when I think about some of the systems that, um, again, any of the systems, but some of the, the, the in, in the school environments, how much change is happening, how much within families we're seeing the shifts. And sometimes we think it's slow, but actually it's it's picking up fast. It is happening and it makes me extremely hopeful. So uh, to remember to actually note and take note of the, those successes. Because they are way more numerous than we think, and they're much bigger. We're creating a good wave here. It is happening. So, in all of those systems, uh, whether criminal justice system, we're seeing the shifts happen at many levels,
0: and that's to be celebrated. So, change is happening. And, and that, it is. that is hope right there. Natalie Brassard of Facets, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. Thanks to you. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out fasdhope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.